You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. It's a champions edition of Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. It is your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. What's up, Matt Miguez here? Happy Monday. I know that kind of sounds like an oxymoron, but we're we're energetic. We're alive on a Monday afternoon. Producer extraordinaire, co-host with the most. In, in in his little cubicle, Mr. James Mesh, his, his ego doesn't fit in there today after the Miguez and Mesh scouting combine over the weekend. You act like that was such a big thing. Oh, please. You loved every second of that combine. And I want to keep going. You have shown everybody the video. You have made it a point to make fun of me, which is fine. Uh, it's all it's all in good fun. It's all in good fun. I was gonna say as soon as as soon as we were done, and I got home, I get a text like, "Hey, by the way, just kick James' ass in basketball." I was like, "Okay, cool. I'll keep that noted." Yeah, you you kept the receipt. That's fine. That's fine. Um, we had fun with that. Had a good weekend. Now we're back. And there's a lot to talk about because you crowned two champions over the weekend and LSU convinced a big league pitching coach to come to Baton Rouge in the middle of the season in the so I'm going to start there because it it baffles me And, and this is in no way, you know, diminishing LSU or its baseball program or anything. Wes Johnson was the pitching coach for the Minnesota Twins, who are currently leading their division and have the seventh best team ERA in the American League. Why? What, what reason, James, and you? maybe you can help me out, maybe you can think of something that, that I'm not seeing. What makes you go... Yes, let me uproot in the middle of the season and take a, for lack of better words, I don't want to call it a demotion, but going from the big leagues to LSU is not a step up. It's not a step down, but it's not a step up. It's a lateral move. Why? It it honestly confuses me, but... The main thing you would think automatically is they had to have the dollar, thrown him, they the dollar had bills. to have thrown him a bag, dude. That's the only thing I could see. And again, not diminishing LSU at all, but you're talking about you're the pitching coach for the AL Central leader. You have a good staff. They've pitched well all year. What makes you want to leave 70 games into the season? It just doesn't make sense to me. And move cross country. Right. In the middle of a season. Go from Minnesota to Louisiana. Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Now he grew up in Arkansas, so he gets the heat. He gets the 
you know, that's not a big deal for him, but just, I don't know. It, there's just a whole lot of things about this. Uh, again, it has to be the money, like you said. They had to have just thrown him a, an offer that he couldn't refuse. He couldn't say no to, because that's the only other way that that makes any sense. So now, in the last you know four days, LSU has acquired Tommy White and Christian Little in the transfer portal, and now they've hired Wes Johnson as their pitching coach. I mean, Jay, Jay Johnson has hit home run after home run so far this offseason. And then you throw in Kim Mulkey getting a commit from Michaela Williams, who was the number one high school girls basketball player in the country. I mean, you got to be feeling really good about yourself. If you're Baton Rouge right now, if you're LSU, you have you have to be feeling good about yourself. Game hotline 706-0111 if you want to get in on the show. Chad has called the hotline. Chad, what's going on, man? How's your Monday? Uh, uh, not too much. Man, I don't think it's a lateral move. I think it's a uh, – I mean, when you're the professionals, you reach the, the, the pinnacle of baseball, but maybe not for this guy. It's less it's, – it's a less workload where the pros play, what, 150-something games? LSU, the D1 plays what 50, 60 games. Uh, he's going to make he's making he's going to be making way more money. That that's for sure. And it's just a uh, easier workload. The guy did uh, coach at Dallas Baptist, right? Yeah. So he's going to he's going to have opportunities in a few years, probably probably to become a big time D1 coach uh, after he's at, at LSU. Um, so man, it's, it, to me, it's a no brainer. I know you say it's crazy to leave. But now is the time, and uh, more money, uh, less workload, I'll leave too. Thank you. So I don't know that it's less of a workload. Because, yeah, the MLB plays way more games than college, but you don't have to recruit when you're in the big leagues. He's going to have to spend every waking moment that he is not on a field recruiting. That takes a lot. And then the the money thing, are we sure LSU is paying him loads more? I mean, you got to think that an MLB pitching coach is getting paid pretty well. No, I'm not I'm not saying LSU's not paying him well enough. We don't we don't know the numbers. The numbers haven't come out yet. It just seems like to to me at least it, it, there's just something off. LSU obviously hit a home run here, but it, it just it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Anyways, poll question of the day is up on Twitter and Facebook. There's been some jawing between two former NFL running backs between Le'Veon Bell and Adrian Peterson. Apparently there are talks about them scheduling a fight at the Crypto.com Arena, formerly the Staples Center. So the poll question of the day, we're just curious, who are you taking in that fight? Adrian Peterson, Le'Veon Bell, or are you saying who cares? So far, 83% say who cares? And 16.7% are saying Adrian Peterson. We got a, a tweet from Brandon Leger 
on social media. LSU reportedly doubled his salary. That's if that's the story, then yeah, it makes sense. But what's his salary at the Twins? You know, that that's something to look into because if they're doubling his salary, again, I'm fine with the move. It's not, I'm not doubting the move. LSU obviously knew what they were doing and they hit a home run with it. I am interested to see where it, it goes from here because now you might be strapping yourself in terms of financials. But anyways... Early also this weekend, Ole Miss, speaking of college baseball, Ole Miss runs the gauntlet, goes from the 62nd team put into the NCAA tournament to national champion. They take down Oklahoma yesterday 4-2, to and they took them down on Saturday 10-2 to to win their first ever national championship in the sport of baseball, and this becomes the 10th time that two schools from the same state won national championships in consecutive order. Mississippi State and Ole Miss winning the last two years in a row. I've seen a lot of people say that Southern Miss is next and be one of the first times that it was a three-peat. That could be that could be something to look out for. That could be exciting considering that you know, Southern Miss has a pretty good baseball program. A really good baseball program, actually. So... We will see see how that goes. The Colorado Avalanche winning the Stanley Cup last night 2-1. to one. They take down the Tampa Bay Lightning four games to two. Kale McCarr being named the winner of the Smythe Trophy, the postseason MVP award. He becomes only the third defenseman aged 23 or younger to win the Smythe. One of the biggest names of those other two is Bobby Orr. And some people are already calling Kale McCarr at 23 years old a surefire Hall of Famer. It was a big night for Nathan McKinnon and Gabriel Landeskog, who have spent better part of 10 years with the Colorado Avalanche organization. Nazem Kadri becoming the first Muslim-born hockey player to win a Stanley Cup. Jack Johnson was the longest tenured Av. He's been with Colorado for 14 years now. So he wins his first Stanley Cup. Jared Bednar winning his first Stanley Cup as well. So definitely a big night for the Colorado Avalanche organization. Oh yeah, and the Astros got a no-hitter on Saturday. They combined for a no-hitter of the New York Yankees 3 to nothing. It was the 14th no-hitter in Astros history. It was the third combined and then here, here's the best part of it. This was the second time since 1958 that the Yankees had been no hit. And both times was by the Houston Astros. Gotta love no hitters, but you love them even more when it's against the New York Yankees. Speaking of the Astros, the Houston Astros are one of the hottest teams in baseball, and we want to help you see them live in person. The game, 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles, wants to hook you up. It's our latest Astros weekend getaway. Houston takes on Seattle on Saturday, July 30th, and you can be there. 
Register in the game clubhouse, 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com to score four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Park, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. Astros weekend getaways are powered by Butcher Air Conditioning, Le Meridian Houston downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. When we return to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh, we will discuss the hottest names in NBA free agency. And at 4.30, Rachel Toss of Altitude TV will join us to discuss the Avalanche winning the Stanley Cup and what's next in Colorado. You're listening to The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. It is your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Got something to say to Miguez and Mesh? Hell yeah! It's easy. Just call the hotline by dialing 337-706-0111. Now, back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 in Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, got a comment on the poll question on Facebook. Again, who are you taking in a fight out of Adrian Peterson and Le'Veon Bell? Robert Duplichan says Alvin Kamara and his entourage. Ha! <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm taking AK too. I mean, we, we, we've seen how that went down. That's, yeah, that... Alvin Kamara would would be a would be a good bet, but again, if Le'Veon Bell and Adrian Peterson get in a fight, if they do actually fight at Crypto Arena, I don't know, James. I'm taking Le'Veon. I'm leaning Adrian. I mean, he's a bigger dude, but Le'Veon's just so fast. He's like a Floyd Mayweather. He could just kind of you know tap and go, tap and go. I guess I, I just always feel the. Hearing always the story of Adrian Peterson handshakes. Yeah. So it's like just the fact guys that guys felt like they were getting their hands broken. Yeah. So it's just the fact that he's supposedly that strong and the fact that he's still putting up decent numbers at, at the age that he's at. It's like, okay, well, he could still move a little bit himself. So I feel like if you got around the same speed and you got more strength on Adrian's side, yeah. I feel like you kind of have to lean him. That's fair. That's fair. So we'll talk about this at 430 with, uh, with Rachel Toss, but... The Colorado Avalanche apparently dented the Stanley Cup during their post-game celebration. Uh, they were they were gathering for their team picture, and the player that was holding it slipped on the ice, and the bottom of it kind of hit the ground, hit the ice first, and put a dent into it. And according to the keepers of the cup, it has happened before. This isn't the first time that the cup has been dented, but uh, this was definitely the fastest that the Stanley Cup had ever taken a dent. I mean, five minutes after the team got the cup, there was a dent in it. That's that's incredible. It really is. All right, NBA free agency coming up here in a couple days. We're going to take a look now at a list of 40 players that could be available in the free agent market. And we're going to look at it in terms of the Pelicans or or where we think that said player could go. So it's divided by the biggest names 
the non-stars but still intriguing. And there's a couple other categories. Before we get into that, though, let's go back to the hotline. John joins the show. John, what's going on? Hey, Matt. Just one of y'all talking about Peterson and Le'Veon Bell. Yeah. I'll take Peterson in a heartbeat. Le'Veon Bell proved he don't want to finish the season with a team, much less finish a fight. He quit on my Steelers twice. Yeah, I mean, I I don't I don't disagree. I I think that that would be a that'd be a smart bet if you wanted to lean that way. But I definitely take Peterson. Peterson might be older, but just like what Mister Mash was saying, he's he's still around. He's still pretty strong, and from what I heard, he's very strong. And I don't know about Le'Veon Bell. I don't know how good a shape he's still in, but I'll take Peterson any day of the week. Fantastic, John. Appreciate the call. Okay. That that would be interesting if if those two actually actually went for it. Uh, Martin comes in on Facebook. God, Martin. Martin, it, it's a good time to be Martin. The Warriors win. The Avs win. I mean, his Cowboys are still never going to amount to anything. But... You know, two of his teams getting rings. I mean, good good for that guy. Anyways, Martin comes in and says, can we add in Zeke and make it a triple threat match? That way Zeke can get injured and my Cowboys don't have to deal with him and all his fumbles this season. God, that's brutal. You want the man to get injured just so you don't have to teach him how to hold on to the football. Right? I mean, why, why ask for the man to get injured? I, I could see Martin being a... Elite level ball carrier, just go teach him a thing or two. Zeke fumbled one one time last year. <laughs> yeah, but I feel like when he does fumble, it's at like critical times. Okay, but the the fact that it it was once in a seventeen game season, right? Like, okay, <laughs> let's calm down a little bit. All right, so James, this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna look at this list of potential NBA free agents, and we're gonna talk about whether they stay with the team that they're currently with or they go elsewhere okay so the first name is zach levine now there's been rumors that he he stays put in in chicago with a max deal do you think that that's the way it's actually going to go down i see it they've made trades to acquire players not get rid of players so it feels like hey we're trying to win now and we feel like without you we have no shot even with the players that we've required Kyrie. oh he's out of there yeah, he's what. And I like how if you look at the description, it says the biggest names in free agency. Right. I, I find it a little interesting that Zach Levine is ahead of Kyrie because it's like Kyrie's such an infamous name right now and has been for a while. That's true. That's true. So I, I find that a little interesting. Where do you see Kyrie going? I mean, I know everybody's talking about the Lakers right now, but like if he declines his player option and becomes a free agent, he has the ability to go anywhere. Well, I'm not sure. I don't think he's going to go to Boston ever again, and I don't think he's ever going to go to Cleveland. So I feel like the only time he's ever had success is when he was was with LeBron. Was when he was with LeBron. Yeah. So if LeBron stays in L.A., then feels like, hey, I mean, can I come back? Right. (laughs) Can I play with you again? Right. Miles Bridges. Now the the kicker here is that Bridges is restricted. restricted. So whatever he gets offered, 
Charlotte has the opportunity to match. A guy like Miles Bridges, I think he stays in Charlotte because I think Charlotte realizes what they have and they're going to do whatever it takes to keep him. I think so too. I just find it interesting that he's, I don't know if you've seen some of his Instagram stories, but him, some of the stuff he's posting is kind of like, you're posting that where like right. the whole world can see that? Like almost feels like, do you want to get out of Charlotte? Is, is Are he, you posting this so you can get out of Charlotte? Hmm. No, I haven't seen that. So I, your, your guess is as good as mine. What about DeAndre Ayton? Again, restricted. He is restricted. I just find it interesting, and I think they'll actually try to move him. Really? I mean, I've heard talks of Phoenix kind of being like a little over it, being done with Aiden. Well, then, I mean, if that's the case, Aiden is an interesting free agent because it's difficult to disentangle how much he means to Phoenix and how much Phoenix means to him. Recent reports from The Athletic indicate Aiton is likely leaving and that Atlanta is one of the teams interested in acquiring him. See, Atlanta's a hot name right now because they're in the race for DeAndre Ayton. What are they going to do with John Collins? Like The Atlanta Hawks are a team to watch over the next couple of days as you get into the early part of free agency. Yeah, because you, you move your roster around, you move your lineup a little bit to where it kind of it helps Trey a little more. Yep. Because you're a, you're a team that makes the playoffs. You're borderline last year. Yeah. No. So so if you can make some retools and get a few more additions, and I mean Aiden, many believe is better than Clint Capella, who I believe is still on, currently on the Hawks. Yeah. So if Phoenix is done with Aiden and you go get him, you go get other shooters and other ball handlers. That way, it's not in Trey's hands twenty four seven. Release some pressure off him. That way, they're not defenses aren't running traps on him in the playoffs, and then he gets twenty turnovers a game. Right. So I, I think that would be interesting. All right. So Jalen Brunson. The talk about him is that he's going to the Knicks, and I saw a funny tweet earlier. It said, "If Jalen Brunson signs with the Knicks, it said LOL at the Knicks. If Jalen Brunson doesn't sign with the Knicks, LOL at the Knicks. So either way, whether they get him or they don't." People are still going to laugh at the Knicks because they're the Knicks. See, I'll never understand. Like we, we talked about this last week. They they want to they're clearing up all this cap space to go sign Jalen Brunson when Jalen Brunson's not going to fix their problems. Jalen Brunson's going to put a Band-Aid on it, and then two years later, he's going to be fed up with New York, and then he's going to walk, and then, then what you got? Not much. Let's go to the hotline. Martin joins the show. Martin, what's going on, man? So what's wrong with, uh, with, with, with me wishing that Zeke Elliott would get hurt, man? Why would you wish for one I mean, of your players to get hurt? Because, I mean, he's no good, so maybe we won't have to, but we don't have to worry about him if, it, like, maybe he gets knocked out, or maybe he, he takes a love into boxing and he just totally just gives up his football career. I mean, one either way, I mean, I, I mean, I hate to wish bad will on the guy, you know, but, I mean, he's kind of been the factor that's been holding us back a little bit. Martin, Martin, let me, let me ask you something. Zeke Elliott ran for 1,000 yards last year. What do you What do you mean? And uh, I just kind of 
when the game's on the line, you can't be handing this guy the football because he will fumble. That is a guarantee. I mean, he's more likely to fumble than to be holding a damn or darn field goal kick, you know? He only fumbled one time last year, Martin. Well, I mean, that's one time too much for me. <laughs> but anyway, um, so, yeah, it's a great time to be in the world of uh, Lil Morton, you know. I mean, I kind of jumped on the bandwagon when Steph Curry joined the, um, the Golden State Warriors. So I got to be honest with y'all with that, you know. I mean, I wasn't a long time Golden State Warriors fan. But like I told y'all at the birthday bash, I've always been a Cowboys fan, and I'm sticking with them through the thick and the thin, you know. And, uh, I mean, even though we find the stupidest ways to lose in the playoffs, like like y'all said, we'll probably go 12-5, and five, make the playoffs, and then God knows how we're going to lose. But uh, you forgot one thing. My Alabama Crimson Tide is going to win the national championship this year, so that'll be another another ring to add, you know. Because uh, I really don't see nobody stopping Alabama this year besides uh, them Georgia Bulmuts. But uh, I do have one question for y'all. All right, what you got? Do, well, do y'all see um, Aaron Judge get moved in the offseason? No. Even I mean, I know he, y'all don't even know he signed that whatever kind of contract the other day to avoid arbitration, all that kind of silliness and all that kind. So you think he ends up back with the Yankees? One hundred percent. Okay, so. Um, another one more question. Uh, one team I've been telling my buddy to watch out for, and it's a team I don't have no vengeance against. Or how can I put this? The Yankees have only I think it's six more wins than the Houston Astros at this point in time. Y'all realize that, or y'all didn't really? No, I noticed that. I, I, I knew that. Okay, so, I mean, that's nothing, and con- considering we still have a whole second half of the season to play, so who's to say that Judge don't get hurt and, and the Yankees lose, like, and I'm not, I'm just periodically speak, speaking here, the Yankees lose, like, 10 straight, the Astros win 10 straight, then it's a, then it's a whole different ball game. See where I'm coming from? That's- I think the Astros are a team to be, rec- you know, a reckon with, I mean, and... Like I told Paul this morning, to beat the man, you got to be the man. You got to beat the man. And the last few years, the Astros have been the man. They've been beating the Yankees in the, in the playoffs. So I mean, until they do that, then I mean, I have no reason to to think elsewhere that the Yankees ain't winning no World Series. Well, Martin, b- b- before I let you go, you know the Astros have been beating the the Red Sox in the playoffs too. Oh, let's not bring that up. I know that too, <laughs> but. Uh, like I said, as long as the Yankees aren't in the in the in the World Series, then I can sleep good at night, you know. Right. But if they're in there, you know, I mean, it's just a nightmare for me. I won't watch that World Series. But uh, like I said, if the Yankees do get get lucky, and they and if the Braves do make the World Series again, I, I think that would be a, a hell of a series, Braves Yankees. And I don't know if they can beat the Braves. I'm just saying. But that's all I have to say, man. And I appreciate y'all always taking my call. Even though I may get on your nerves sometimes, but <laughs> appreciate you, Martin. <laughs> Have a good one, buddy. You too, man. Okay, so we'll we'll take a timeout right here, and a little bit later on in the show, I have just found on Twitter the contract details 
for Wes Johnson coming to LSU. So we will dive into that because now reading this, it makes even less sense. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. You're listening to the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Johnson throws, Boutte's got it wide open at the 10, far side, he's in for the score. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. A shot to left field, going back on it's Gordon, he'll look up at the corner. You're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Welcome back to Crunch Time with me, guys, and Mesh right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. My father and brother were very happy last night when the Colorado Avalanche hoisted the Stanley Cup for the first time in 21 years. Somebody else that was probably pretty happy. In the arena in Denver, Colorado last night was Miss Rachel Toss. Rachel, good afternoon. Thank you for taking the time. And hey guys, of course. <laughs> you you've got to be on like cloud nine today, right? Absolutely. Yeah. It's uh woke up this morning, realized it was not a dream. Uh, you know, spent spent more time on social media this morning than I normally allow myself just looking at everyone's individual reactions to the news of them winning and yeah it's uh it's pretty incredible i hate that it happened on the road i have to say I, that's a huge bummer but it happened and a win's a win and that's all that matters so it's so it's bittersweet that it happened on the road right because obviously right. you want it to happen in your home arena but then there's something sweet about hoisting the cup in front of the opposing team's fans Oh, well, the thing is, those fans weren't there anymore, right? Like, they'll, <laughs> they'll leave. Well, all that's left to watch are the Avs fans that traveled. And, I mean, maybe some, like, just big-time NHL fans who spent a ton of money on those Game 6 tickets that are like, you know what, I'm going to watch someone raise the cup tonight. <laughs> but I think, ultimately, it's mostly Avs fans that traveled. And selfishly, uh, as someone who works for the team, I just really wanted it to happen at home so I could witness that with my own eyes. But you win some, you lose some in, in that respect. And uh, I know myself and a lot of Avalanche fans around Denver really were hoping and almost expecting it to happen on Friday night for Game 5. It kind of felt like the stars were aligned for that to happen. You know, they drop Game 3, they win Game 4 uh, in overtime, a very dramatic ending to come back to Denver with all the momentum and win in 5, and it didn't happen. Um, so 5 was a crusher, but... You know, I'm still happy that they got it done in six instead of pushing it to game seven. Uh, seven, I, I I don't know what I would have done with my nerves. So, <laughs> Chatting with Rachel Toss from Altitude TV here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. So looking at the Avs' journey from, you know, 2016-2017 to now, I mean, it's pretty remarkable. You let go of Patrick Waugh, you bring in Jared Bednar, you draft Kale McCarr, you acquire guys like Andre Burkowski, Nazem Kadri, and Darcy Kemper, and then you let the games of Gabriel Landeskog and Nathan McKinnon kind of develop. You know, kind of just talk about you know what this team's gone through over the last couple of years to get to this point. For sure. So, twenty-one years is a very long time in between titles. Uh, Denver 
was on the rise of becoming a hockey town. I do think that the win really helps with that. And sorry, my dog is behind me chasing his tail. Will you stop? Um, <laughs> so it's, it's 21 years is a really long time in between titles. You know, haven't won since 2001. And prior to that, it was 1996. And the city of Denver hasn't won a title since the Broncos did it with Peyton Manning in 2016. So it's just great to see the city get a title such a big sports town and you mentioned the organization um kind of building over over time they've seen some dark days right a 48 point season was in 2016-2017 so um it, coming coming from a 48 point season grinding and hoisting the stanley cup is a pretty big deal i saw a photo on twitter this morning of the five members on the ice last night celebrating the five remaining members from that 48-point season, it was um, Nathan McKinnon, Gabe Landeskog, Nico Rantanen, Eric Johnson, and JT Comfer. So those core group of guys, it's awesome to see that they were able to stick with it, uh, stay with this organization, and eventually win a cup. But you mentioned the um, the way that some of those players evolved and grew up. I mean, we've seen Nathan McKinnon reach his, his full potential. Gabe Landeskog has grown into an absolute boss of a captain. Miko Rantanen has really settled in. Eric Johnson, a true veteran, right? But he finally gets the opportunity to hoist the cup. JT Comper has made an impact. And then now we have Kale McCarr, just his third season in the NHL, uh, 29 points in the playoffs. And it's truly incredible to watch number eight and what he can do. You also mentioned Darcy Kemper. I mean, this is just his first season with the Avs, acquired by a trade or through a trade with Arizona just in July. So he's been with the team for less than a year at this point. Ten and four in the postseason, picked up a shutout at home in game two of the final round. Uh, the backup, Pavel Francouz, he's been very solid. 6-0 in the playoffs this season, but head coach Jared Bednar put his trust in Darcy Kemper for this playoff run, and it definitely paid off. So it's just been amazing to watch this group grow and develop into a Stanley Cup uh, contending team and now a Stanley Cup championship team, and it's really because of the moves uh, that Joe Sackick made right before the trade deadline. You talked about Kale McCarr, 29 points in the playoffs, winning the mm-hmm. Smythe Trophy last night at the very – Young age of 23. Mm-hmm. Only the third defenseman to ever win the Conn Smythe at the age of 23 or younger, and the two that he joins are Bobby Orr and Nicholas Lindstrom. I mean, that's absolutely no incredible deal, right? company. <laughs> right. Um, right, right. Some some big names to be in, and you said it, 23 years young, and he's already won the Hobie Baker Award, Calder Trophy, Norris Trophy, and as of last night, Conn Smythe and Stanley Cup, and Again, just he had 29 points. 29 points from a defenseman in the playoffs is just unreal. Uh, honestly, I could write a book on the franchise records that he's broken <laughs> in the past three seasons. Uh, it's only his third in the league, which is incredible. Just the way that Kale McCarr carries himself on and off the ice is truly admirable. I mean, after game two of the final, when the Avs shut out the Lightning, he was on the bench uh, interviewing with ESPN sideline reporter, and he was asked if he's going to celebrate the win, right? Because it was a, a an amazing win in Game Two of the Stanley Cup Final, and he just said no and walked away. <laughs> and that's the response of an athlete that just is determined to win. 
Uh, and on top of that, he's just very difficult to get him to talk about himself. He's truly one of the most humble, if not the most humble athlete I've ever communicated or worked with in my short career. But you can't get the guy to talk about himself. You're like, hey, Mikhail, you just broke XYZ record, like a franchise record. How do you know? What do you think about that? And he deflects the questions every single time. And it always goes back to, oh, well, my teammates made made great plays and and this and that. So it's uh, it's just truly incredible to watch everything that's unfolding for Kale McCarr. And I think the best part is this is just the beginning. I mean, three years in the league is, is nothing. And he has so much more to accomplish. I think the sky's the limit. I think we are witnessing something that we've never seen before in the NHL and Kale McCarr. Uh, a lot of the comparisons with Bobby Orr and uh, rightfully so. But I, I truly think this is something we've never seen before in the National Hockey League. Chatting with Rachel Toss here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. So looking at the future, you know, McKinnon, 26, Landis Coggs, 29. You've got Kale McCarr, who's 23, Darcy Kemper's on the young side as well. And then, you know, we're not even talking about the rookie defenseman in Bo Byram. You know, this is a young, talented group that could continue to do this for years to come. Absolutely. They'll be a Stanley Cup contending team for a very long time. Uh, I mean, you know, like you mentioned, Bo Byram on the rise, right? We can't wait to see what he's um, capable of doing his second year in the league. He had uh, way more opportunities in this playoff run with Sam Gerrard going down and him stepping up, and he did fabulous. Um, and again, Darcy Kemper, his first season with the team, he's really going to settle in even more and you just get more comfortable as the years go on. And these, these guys are so young. They're so fast. Uh, it's only going to get better. I think they are going to make it very deep in the playoffs time and time again. Uh, Stanley Cup is the hardest trophy to win in all of professional sports. We know that. But the Tampa Bay Lightning proved that you can make it to the final round three straight years. Uh, I'm not saying that I, I foresee the Avs you know, continuing to win the Stanley Cup for three straight seasons. But I do think that they will be highly competitive for a very long time, I'd say at least the next five, if not longer, just because of the roster that they have, you know, free agencies coming up. We have a couple guys, their contracts are coming up. So it's all about cap space and, you know, this and that and the decisions that the general manager, Joe Sackett, will have to make in order to decide, you know, who's quote unquote worth keeping or not. But as long as they can keep those core guys intact, I think it's going to be a very entertaining team to watch for years to come. You know, Everybody, when you when you look at a championship, everybody always talks about the stories within the story. You know, Gabriel Landeskog and Nathan McKinnon grinding their way through the Colorado Avalanche organization. Eric Johnson, longest tenured Avalanche player, 15 years with the franchise, finally gets a cup. Nazem Kadri, first Muslim-born player to win a cup. Kale McCarr, 23 years old, winning the Conn Smythe. Uh, Darcy Kemper, I mean, for lack of better words, Getting getting thrown to the first team that that threw out a deal and becomes you know a, a Stanley Cup winning goaltender. I mean the stories are just clearly evident in this situation, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean you said it. The stories within the stories are truly incredible. You know, if I I was thinking about it this morning, like what is my favorite story within the story, and I came across Eric Johnson's post game interview and saw what he posted on his Instagram story today and. Uh, I, I think that's got to be at least one of my favorites, also the Nazem Kadri. But with Eric Johnson, you know, he 
thought he was going to retire prior to entering this season. So seeing a guy who has just been grinding it out for so long and a true veteran defenseman who sacrifices his body every single night for this team, uh, it's been great to see him be able to get rewarded for those efforts and, and win the cup. He posted on his Instagram this morning that, and he was sleeping with the Stanley Cup or he woke up in bed with it. And I thought that was just incredible. So it's great to see guys like that who, you know, have worked so, so hard and for so long for them to be rewarded. And Nazem Kadri, you know, with all the baggage he had coming into the Avs, leaving Toronto and um, not being able to help the Avs in their postseason run last year, getting suspended during the playoffs. It's just been incredible to see the way he's handled it this season. Um, you know, especially facing the Blues, he got a lot of crap. Um, and you could tell that guys were really uh, – the opposition was really pushing him. It's almost like they were testing him. Like, let's see how, how hard we can push Nazem Kadri before he can crack. And he never did. And I just think that's incredible. And that takes a lot of mental toughness. And it's, for me, it's just been awesome to watch him stand up um, and, and beat all of that and combat all the racial slurs and everything else that he's unfortunately had to deal with this season. Um, injury, you know, he comes back after missing a few games in the Stanley cup finals. And uh, he just wins it in overtime for his team. So uh, happy to see 91 get what he deserves as well. And I saw a post-game interview. I think he did it with Sportsnet in Canada. But, you know, for all those who didn't believe in me, you know, you could kiss my butt, basically. Right, right. <laughs> I just thought it was so funny. I'm like, oh, good for you, Kadri, because he just, you know, there are so many haters out there for him. And um, I just, I think he's a great guy. So I'm really happy for him. Yeah, it's really fantastic stuff when you see things like that. Rachel Toss of Altitude TV joining us. All right, before we run, I'm going to pass this comment in closing. The Stanley Cup is the hardest trophy to win, like you alluded to. Can can we can we teach the players not to dent it? <laughs> oh, man, I know. I, I saw a couple tweets about it last night, like, without showing the video of what happened. Uh, and I was like, oh, my gosh, who did it? You know, like, what is going on, guys? But then I saw someone else respond, like, the base of the trophy, even right. though it did get dented, that base is replaced every year. That's a very easy fix. Because, I mean, think about it. These, this trophy goes everywhere with these guys. I believe every player, right, gets to spend an entire day with it. So you could imagine it's going to get beat up quite a bit. So, Everyone calm down. The Avs didn't ruin the Stanley Cup. It's going to get taken care of. Um, and I can't wait. I can't wait to see it. Uh, we'll have our parade here in Denver on Thursday. I'm sure Lord Stanley will be present. And word on the street is that we'll have um, employee access on Friday with the Cup. So I'm really excited about that. Fantastic. Rachel Toss of Altitude TV joining us. Really appreciate you taking the time, Rachel. Have a great week, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me on. Hope this sparks NHL interest for those around Louisiana again. Appreciate it, Rachel. There she goes, Rachel Toss. We'll take a time out, and when we return, we'll wrap up hour number one here on The Game. 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Welcome back to Crunch Time with me, Gaz and Mesh, here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station is your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Migas, James Mesh. Get about two minutes before we end our number one. Let's update the poll question of the day. Who would you take in a fight out of Adrian Peterson and Le'Veon Bell? 
So far, 21.4% say Adrian Peterson, 21.4% say Le'Veon Bell, and 57.1% say Dude, Who Cares? Darren Francis chimes in, says, I'll take AP, but really and truly, I'll whip both of them. I don't doubt that, Darren, at all, actually. I don't doubt that for a second. So, going back to the West Johnson news, you know, we were talking earlier about reasons why he could have taken this position. So, according to the term sheet between LSU and West Johnson, says Johnson signed a three year deal paying him 380K per year plus postseason incentives. However, multiple sources tell multiple sources have said that he was making about 400,000 with the Twins. So the guy took a $20,000 pay cut to go to Baton Rouge. Baffles me. Again, no disrespect to LSU, no disrespect to the LSU baseball program. However, you're in the big leagues, dude. It maybe maybe I'm just looking at it the wrong way, but to to me, I I don't see a logical reasoning for what has gone down. But in the end, good for LSU. They got a hell of a pitching coach for a good price. Our number one in the books, our number two, Stephen Willis from Locked On Ole Miss and Wilson Alexander will join us for Tiger Talk here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Hour number two of two here on a Monday. Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana sports station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. One hour down, one hour to go. In hour number two, Stephen Willis of Locked On Ole Miss will join us to discuss Ole Miss's improbable run to the national championship. And at 5.30, Wilson Alexander will join us for Tiger Talk. A lot to talk about. Tommy Tanks, Christian Little, Michaela Williams, Wes Johnson. There, there's a lot going on in Baton Rouge that we that we need Wilson to, uh, to help us kind of break down if you will. But before we do that, James, we, we talked a little bit about our our scouting combine video. But uh, you know, we'll go a little more in depth with it. You were you were victorious in, in every category and it wasn't very close. Not really. No, I mean be honest. I mean be honest. It, I'm I'm slow, I can't jump. Doesn't work out well for a scouting combine. No, it does not. Uh, your draft stock definitely plummeted. Yeah, it was never very high to begin with, so that's fine. I mean, you did. Your forty was faster than I think both of us anticipated. I mean, yeah. I, I, I was gonna I, say, well, what would you realistically think you were gonna run? Realistically, I thought it was gonna be six five to seven. 
Okay, so you you did better than you thought you did. Yeah, I did six three six. Uh, I was pretty I was pretty happy with that. I'm not even gonna lie. Um, and that's terrible because that's so slow. Because that's so slow. Because really, big O linemen and D linemen run like at worst five two. Let's see what what was Aaron Donald's forty time. Aaron Donald forty time forty yard dash. I think you should wonder what Vince four four six eight. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, Vince Wilfork forty yard dash. Let's see what that five oh eight. Oh god. Like, do you see what I'm saying? Like, even the slow ones are running five two. How? How did he carry three hundred and twenty five pounds in five seconds? He's an all around athlete. Have you not seen him? I mean, he he is. I don't I don't disagree, and I am not. I am not. The only thing that I was ever good at was basketball and soccer. He's a magician. So definitely football was never my thing. That's why I gave it up after like the fifth grade. I'm actually a pretty decent golfer. Also, just kidding. I'm terrible. Anyways, so now we're, we're starting to plan, you know, some more activities to be thrown into our weekly Miguez versus Mesh challenge. And one thing that got brought up was disc golf. James, have you ever played disc golf? I mean, I've tried it. I don't I don't consider myself any sort of good at it. Yeah, I mean, I've I've never played, so we we'd be probably in the same boat. I and I can't throw a frisbee very well. So that doesn't set me up for anything. This that doesn't sound like if we were to do it, you would tie the series. Mm. It it would it would be interesting. I, I'd I'd put up a fight. Don't know that I'd win. I'm oh. not gonna say that I'd win. Okay. Uh, it it would kind of have to be a let, let's wait and see how it goes. Maybe I catch a couple lucky breaks. Kind of thing. Let's see if the wind just carries it. Right. The whole I, way. I catch I catch a couple lucky breaks. Just carry it right into the. Hole. Speaking of catching a couple lucky breaks. Somebody who didn't catch some lucky breaks this weekend was Rory McIlroy. So we we talked at the end of last week about how Rory was a god, and we we probably shouldn't have done that. Uh, Matt Miguez with the kiss of death once again. Xander Shifley wins the Travelers Championship. James, you ready for this score? Nineteen under. Shoffley finished. 19 under, shot a 63, 63, 67, and a 68. And he had a he had some help. Uh, he had a collapse from Satith Theogla, who finished tied for second at 17 under. Apparently he was in contention to finish the job, but uh, kind of fell apart on the 18th hole. Kevin Kisner finishing tied for sixth at 12 under. Tony Finau and Scotty Scheffler at 10 under. Rory McIlroy all the way down to 9 under. Still walked out with a crisp $106,000 for the Irishman. They will now look ahead to this week's tournament, which is the John Deere Classic in at TPC Deer Run in Illinois. Lucas Glover looking to defend his title there. While on the subject of the PGA Tour, Matthew Wolf has announced that he will defect over to the LIV Tour. Wolf is 23 years old and was 
slated to be an up and comer on the PGA Tour, but uh, has hit a hit a slump as of late, and so now he will move on to the LIV. James, you know, we we talked about Kyrie a little bit in in the first hour, and we talked about how. He the only success he's really had in the league other than individual would be when he was with LeBron in Cleveland. So now the the story is only the Lakers, the Lakers are the only team seeking a sign and trade with Brooklyn. What's a realistic trade package the Lakers could make? For for Brooklyn, because obviously the Lakers are going to have to give up a lot to acquire a guy like Kyrie, and they have a lot to give up. That's not an issue. But is it going to be a package that entices Brooklyn is the question. Does Brooklyn want Russell Westbrook? Does Kevin Durant want to play with Russell Westbrook again? Do you throw in Anthony Davis? Like, you're going to have to get rid of at least one guy that you don't want to. And then probably quite a few first-round picks to, to get a guy like Kyrie Irving. So my, my question to you is, you know, what's a, what's a realistic package, or, or not even so much a, a package, but can you even see a deal getting done between these two? It feels so hard. I, I know you'd almost do the same thing that you did with with Philly, where I mean you trade one headache for another. But you, know, I almost feel like you kind of do you do that again? Do you get Russell Westbrook? You trade Kyrie, but then you also get someone like Malik Monk. And or like Mac McClung, because I'm looking at the roster and it's like, who who is good on on the Lakers roster? I mean, that because like even the decent ones are on the older side, and it's like, yep. well, if I'm trading Kyrie, I'd like some young talent. And I'm looking at the young talent, Taylor Taylor Horn Tucker, he's all right. Yeah, you look at Wayne Ellington, he's 34. You look at Winion Gabriel. Yep. Like the Pelicans know what he's about. Kendrick, Kendrick Nunn and even then he's 26. Yeah, he's and and he's okay. Cuz like the roster is just average, but you see the few players, you look at a few big names, you see Russell Westbrook, LeBron James, Carmelo Anthony, but Carmelo's 38. You see Kent Bazemore, but he's 32, Avery right. Bradley who was a former Celtic, but he's 31. Right. See that that's what's interesting. The Lakers are sitting here going, oh, you know, let's get Kyrie. That's fine. But outside of Kyrie, LeBron, and AD, your roster's average. You can't win a championship with just three players. Potentially below average. Right. It's the same thing with the Knicks. Yeah, you got R.J. Barrett. And you got Julius Randle. You got Julius Randle. But those are your best players? you've, You've got a young center in Mitchell Robinson. But like, what else do you have? You can't win a championship that way. And these these teams, like going back to the Knicks thing, they want to throw everything at Jalen Brunson. 
Why? The Lakers and Knicks, in my opinion, and you can either agree or disagree with me, they're in a position where they just need to blow everything up and rebuild. They have to. You have to. The only thing is, the Lakers can't do it yet because they still have LeBron. And they still have AD. That's the that's the only reason they can't blow up yet. Then you keep them and then blow everything else up. But you're not going to waste a year of LeBron. There's not much left. I mean, 33 and 49 was wasting a year of LeBron. You're about to waste another one because I don't but, see them but if improving. You, if you're purposely blowing it up, then and you're purposely wasting a year, then it's like, well, LeBron's like, that's not what I signed up for. Like, no, we're not doing this. If we're going to be trading players, go get me somebody. Go get me Kyrie. And, and here's the thing is I, I hear a lot of Lakers fans online where it's it's like, hey, they get pissed all season. They're like, this guy sucks. THT sucks. Why do we have someone like Stanley Johnson? But then whenever it comes to like, hey, I mean, we're hearing the talks of, hey, we might get Kyrie. Hey, you should take uh, these guys. You should take THT. You should take Malik Monk. I was like, didn't you just say they were trashed right. like a month ago? But now you want to throw them in a trade package. But, but now they're good enough for you to send them away right. to go get someone like Kyrie? Like, no, don't, don't even with that. Uh, it just something something's got to give for both of those franchises because again I like Jalen Brunson, however, throwing him a hundred million dollars is not going to fix your franchise long term. Plus, Dallas needs him more. It's true. It's true. Dallas also needs another ball handler. Same thing with Atlanta. You need more ball handlers to take it out of your stars' hands, which is like you don't want to take it out their hands, but at the same time. They have it in their hands too much, it becomes a problem. The Knicks are going to struggle. The Lakers are going to struggle. I just I don't see because I don't I don't wish injuries upon players, but if we look at trends, feels like LeBron's going to get injured again because yep. he's done it quite a few times the last few years. Eighties injured and, every two and, weeks, and not to mention as much as we love to talk about how LeBron's a superhuman, he is. 37 years old and about to enter year number 20 in the league. You've got Melo 38, Dwight 36, LeBron 37, Anthony Davis is, is 30, 29, 29. Okay, so I'm close. Com- coming up on 30. Yeah. So it's like your team isn't young. You got young bucks. You got to get a lot younger. They, yeah. You need to get more, a lot more talented. Well, that, that, is also very, very true. The Game Clubhouse, 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com can help you with your date night blues. That's because once you become a member of our rewards club, you'll have the opportunity to win excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou, a $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House, or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen. The only way to score these great prizes, however, is by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse, 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's super simple. So go sign up today. Take a time out right here. When we return, Stephen Willis of Locked On Ole Miss will join us to discuss the Ole Miss Rebels going from last four to last man standing. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. It is your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. 
time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. June 27th, 1986. American tennis player Ann White shocks Wimbledon by wearing a white one-piece Lycra bodysuit in a first-round match against Pam Shriver. White would wear a regular outfit after the rain break. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back. 19 minutes after 5 o'clock here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. The Ole Miss Rebels, quite literally, go from the last team in to the last team standing, winning the College World Series yesterday over the Oklahoma Sooners 4-2, to while also winning Game 1 of the World Series on Saturday night. What an improbable run for the Rebels and Mike Bianco here to talk about it is Stephen Willis from the Locked On Ole Miss podcast. Stephen, welcome back, man. Congratulations, man. How are you? Thanks, man. It went down exactly like I said it would, right? Yeah, you you, you did predict it. So my 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 first question is, can can you see the future? Uh, yes, I've got, actually have uh, Miss Cleo locked up in the closet, and um, I get my information from her. So, okay. Okay. So, what's going to happen with the New Orleans Saints in 2022? Oh, I, I, man, I'm a huge Saints fan, but whenever I looked at the betting odds of what they were getting, I felt like I was a kid. And and for most people, that's a good thing. For a Saints fan, that's not. No, it's not. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> it's so not. All right. Let's let's get back to the Rebels. I mean, dude, eighth eighth national champion since 2009 to come out of the SEC, and only the tenth time that two schools from the same state have won the national championship in back-to-back years. But Ole Miss doing it is incredible because in May, I mean, 22 and 17, 7 and 14 in the SEC. I mean, people yeah, were absolutely improbable, right? People were calling for Mike Bianco's head. Yeah. And they were, and they were going to take it too. If they didn't make the tournament, Mike Bianco was done. It, it, it reminded me a little bit about the energy that the boosters had in Oxford um, with David Cutcliffe in 2004. It, it is eerily similar to that. And Mike Bianco found his way in the tournament. Once they got in the tournament, I don't know if there's any other way to describe it other than the fact that they just dominated all the way through. I mean, they lost um, one game to Arkansas and had the bases loaded in the night to win one, one pop fly. And they um, tie that game up as well. Um, but yeah, it's absolutely improbable, and I just I can't believe the short-sightedness of people and the inability to let things play out before they make a decision. But now you're looking at probably Mike Bianco Stadium at Swayze Field um, or a statue out front, period. Yeah, definitely a statue, maybe even naming the stadium after him for mm-hmm. sure. Chatting with Stephen Willis here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. So last team into the tournament, they go 20 and 6 during the tournament including 10 and 1 in a, a, they finish the season on a 20 and 6 run including 10 and 1 in the tournament you talked about that one loss being 3 to 2 to arkansas on wednesday night and and the next day when you needed a win to to get into the finals 
Dylan DeLucia stepped up for you. Greatest pitching performance in Ole Miss history. Um, just period. Nine innings shutout. He was basically unhittable, and he did it against that lineup. Because make no mistake, and this, I truly believe this, the winner of that game was going to win the national championship. If Arkansas would have won that game and made it to the championship series, they would have won the national championship. Um, it's amazing with that lineup for him to do this. And, you know, he was the most outstanding player in the College World Series. He absolutely deserved it. But you have a national championship series where he just doesn't pitch. And so Ole Miss swept them and didn't um, honestly use their best bullet. It was bizarre. That That's the crazy thing, right? He mm-hmm. won most outstanding player of the Men's College World Series and didn't throw a pitch in the championship series. Yeah, it tells you how dominant he was in the first two games the Auburn game and the second Arkansas game. Um, I mean, as an Ole Miss fan, because I am an Ole Miss fan, uh, I mean, I can be frank with that. I can be also be unbiased. But, you know, as a fan, it was really surreal to see the last three outs of that game and the three strikeouts. And you, you just kept saying, is this going to happen? Because LSU has the 90s. They had their run. They've won three national championships in football in the last two decades. You know, Alabama seemingly is in that game every year. So our neighbors are all about it. Our neighbors to the south, Mississippi State, won it last year. So you begin to wonder, is this ever going to happen for Ole Miss? And to have it be almost, for lack of a better word, and I understand this wasn't easy and everybody was trying, but that was about as easy as a College World Series NCAA tournament run as you can ever have. I mean, if you put Tennessee in the bracket and they did that, you wouldn't be surprised. But anybody else, it was phenomenal. Chat with Stephen Willis here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. You know, Tim Elko obviously is a big name surrounding the Ole Miss program. Finally gets his hands on on that College World Series trophy. For guys like that in, in this story, Stephen, you know, just talk about what it means for guys like that. Yeah, it's huge because him and Kevin Graham and Justin Bench were seniors that didn't have to come back. They got drafted. They found out where they're going, and they, they I guess they um, thought about it, and they came back in it to, to try and make it to Omaha. I mean, this was their end result. And then you have people like John Gaddis and Jack Washburn who transferred in to go to Omaha. Um, um, John Gaddis said Ole Miss was his best chance to get to Omaha. And ended up, he ended up, by the way, Ole Miss lost the game, but he pitched a gym that night. Uh, but it's really cool to see these little micro stories even within the teams and even the contributions of true freshmen like Hunter Elliott. It's like just absolute nails during the game. And um, Mason Nichols. I mean, it was really, really impressive for Ole Miss baseball. Really was. Talk about Brandon Johnson's performance, you know, coming in in the ninth on Sunday and striking out the side to oh, to seal the deal. Yeah, um, I do want to say this um, before I get into Brandon Johnson. You didn't see much in the College World Series. That's because over the last month, Ole Miss has basically developed two closers. Um, Josh Maddox um, um, filled that role and pitched unbelievably well all the way through, and he was actually used more in the College World Series than Brandon Johnson. So Brandon Johnson was really fresh when he came in. And you see the ball just jumped out of his hand. And he had that 97-mile-an-hour fastball and then like a 98 or 78-mile-an-hour curveball. 
it was one of those things is like you're not you're not hitting that if one if you're looking for the other and it was really cool to see and we were counting down outs you know one out after the first strikeout two out after the strike um second strikeout and then that third batter came up and that last pitch is like oh you know the curveball is coming here the batter had no chance the strikeout it was over it was absolutely phenomenal mike bianco did not put a step wrong really for the last month and a half of the season. And um, he deserves all the credit for this run, I think. It, the fact that he was able to turn this around, um, he deserves all the credit in the world for this. Talk to me about your feelings when when Bianco called for the video review on, on the play at first base. Uh, I thought that was unbelievably savvy. Um, it, it, it's something that an experienced coach would do something they would pick up on. Because if you looked at it, he didn't run that far out of the baseline. But the fact of the matter is he needed to run up the chalk, you know, by by wording of the rule, and Mike Bianco knew that. And he completely played that as his advantage. The run didn't score. Um, and you basically, the runner was out. And you're like, well, we have a chance to get out of this. Because Oklahoma, that was the first time they threatened to blow it open. Then another time they threatened to blow it open. They couldn't escape either time and then it was two to one in the eight they brought in their all-american closer and man Ole Miss was just owning I think th- two or three hits and then he was not ready for that moment two wild pitches and yeah it, it was it turned into a really good day for Ole Miss and a day that Oklahoma fans want to forget yeah the first time since 2000 that a team won the national championship in a game where they were down going into the eighth inning yeah so wasn't, very, that, wasn't that LSU? Yes, it was. Yes, it was. Yeah. Uh, so very impressive stuff from Ole Miss. And uh, this week, Stephen, the, the Grove and, and the campus at Oxford just has to be absolutely rocking, right? Yeah, the team got back today. They did the um, they basically lined up for the Walk of Champions. It looked like a football Saturday through the Grove when they were walking through with the trophy. It, it was really cool. Um, Wednesday, they're having their parade and their victory celebration and all of that at Swayze Field. Should be really cool. Fantastic. Stephen Willis of the Locked on Ole Miss podcast joining us. Really appreciate you taking the time, man. Congrats again on on the national championship. And uh, when football season rolls around, we'll have you on again. Oh, absolutely. If you need me, let me know. Appreciate you, Stephen. All right, bud. There he goes, Stephen Willis. While we're on the subject of baseball, the Houston Astros, one of the hottest teams in baseball, and we want to help you see them live. The game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, wants to hook you up with our latest Astros weekend getaway. Houston takes on Seattle so that Saturday, July 30th, and you can be there. All you got to do is register in the game clubhouse, 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Get four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Park, and hotel accommodations for that Saturday night. As always, Astros Weekend Getaway is powered by Butcher Air Conditioning, La Meridian Houston downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Timeout right here when we return. Wilson Alexander of The Advocate will join us. It's another edition of Tiger Talk here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Johnson throws. Boutte's got it wide open at the 10. Far side. He's in for the score. Hit high. Hammered to left field. Going back, taking a look is Holcomb, and it's gone! Time to 
talk all things Bayou Bengals with the advocates Wilson Alexander. Here is Tiger Talk on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Wilson Alexander of the Advocate joining us. Wilson, good afternoon, man. How are you? I'm doing well. How are y'all this afternoon? Doing well, doing well, man. You've been pretty busy over the last couple of days. Uh, somewhat. Um, luckily, you know, we've got a pretty robust team, so we're able to split up the work on things. So walk me through the, the first thing being the, the news of today, Wes Johnson coming from the Minnesota Twins to join Jay Johnson's staff as a pitching coach. You know, how monumental is that? And ju- just walk us through, you know, kind of how this changes things for the LSU baseball program. It's a big hire. I mean, Wes, you know, I think was, if I understand correctly, the first person to jump from like a college pitching coach into a major league dugout as a pitching coach. And now he's, uh, as we understand, the first person to go in the opposite direction as well and then, you know, go from a major league team uh, to a college team. And what makes it just particularly a little bit head-scratching, maybe, is the fact that it's happening mid-season. I um, mean, the Twins are in first place in the AL Central and have a pretty good pitching staff. Um, and he's obviously big, you know, big piece of that, and partially responsible for that as the pitching coach, and uh, have a chance to make the playoffs. But he wanted to make a change, um, clearly, and you know, he wasn't, he didn't take, uh, you know, he reportedly made three hundred fifty thousand dollars with the Twins, and he's making three hundred eighty thousand dollars with LSU. So it's not like it's a big pay change, but it might be a lifestyle change that he wanted to go ahead and make in the middle of the season. And it's uh, it's pretty big for what else you can do on the pitching side of things. You know, he's got a lot of experience. Uh, he has been successful at the college level. And as they try to remake his pitching staff and, and really improve off of last season, he's going to have to do quite a lot of work on that. And then staying on the topic of baseball, last week you bring in Tommy White from NC State and Christian Little from Vanderbilt. I mean, looking at Tommy White set the NCAA record for home runs by a freshman a, a year ago. Those are huge fill-ins for, for guys like Jacob Berry and uh, Mikhail Hilliard, who more than likely will not return next year. Neither of them are, are going to. Mikhail's you know, eligibility is up, and Jacob is going to be a first-round draft pick more than likely. The Tommy White is, is you know sort of filling – yeah, exactly, sort of instantly replaces Jacob, and he's got a few years of eligibility left, you know, um, whereas Jacob was only going to be here for one year. Tommy's going to have two years of eligibility left. Sorry, there's some noise in the background here. Uh, the Tommy, I mean, imagine going up to face Dylan Cruz and then Tommy White standing in the on-deck circle. <laughs> uh, Jacob is a formidable hitter. It, so is Tommy. You know, the 27 home runs, like you mentioned, batted 362 and was the ACC Freshman of the Year, which is a difficult conference. He's, he's a really well-rounded hitter. It's going to be interesting to learn more about him, but obviously that's a massive presence in the middle of the lineup right behind Dylan. And then Christian is going to have to maybe prove himself a little bit more. He did, um, you know, pitched I think fewer than 40 innings uh, this year. Um, but they're bringing him in, hopefully that he can be a starter. Um, you know, those three starting spots are completely wide open, and they're trying to bring in some guys uh, from the transfer portal to to compete for them. Chatting with Wilson Alexander of the Advocate here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. You know, staying on the topic of bringing in big names, Kim Mulkey wanted to to join that party. She signed Michaela Williams, the number one girls high school basketball player in the country from Bossier City to verbally commit to the Tigers. 
I mean, watching her, watching her tapes, watching her highlights, she's better than than some guys. Play, I mean, just talk about her game and what she's going to bring to Kim Mulkey's team. Well, yeah, there's a lot of women's basketball players that are better than some guys for sure. Uh, the and, and Michaela is is certainly one of them. I mean, this is the number one player in the country, and you know it helps that she's from Louisiana to so land her. But it's still, I think, the first number one player in the country that they've signed since uh, Simone Augustus, and we know what Simone did in her career. Uh, as as Kim Mulkey continues to build this program, this is one of those signs that we may look back on and say this is the person who helped them really climb. You know, into the pinnacle, maybe reach a final four, maybe you know, win a title. We'll see. You know, this, you know, one basketball player does not a team make, but uh, this is potential to to really be a, a big, impactful player at LSU. Yeah, you know, you add you add Michaela Williams to Kim Mulkey, and then you you got Angel Reese back in April and May. I mean, that's that's a big three right there for LSU. Yeah, it absolutely is. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what this women's basketball program is able to do off of, you know, the first year being so successful. You know, and Kim immediately was sort of trying to temper expectation uh, coming out of the postseason run. But it's still going, they're still going to be pretty high after what they were able to accomplish in year one with her. Um, she's turned this program around pretty fast and is getting some players that it seems like they'll be able to continue to do. So, of course, Michaela, you know, is not going to be on the roster for uh, another season. Um, she's, you know, class of 2023. Uh, but they'll be happy when they get her. Chatting with Wilson Alexander of The Advocate here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Wilson, let's look at football now. Looking at the recruiting class of 2023, you got five four-stars and a three-star on this class. Most recently, a, a guy by the name of Kyle Parker, a wide receiver from Texas. You know, just where are the areas that Brian Kelly is already seeing a need to go out in 2023 and fill those gaps? The big one is the offensive line. LSU would like to sign four or five offensive linemen in this class. Um, Brad Davis has been um, you know, working really hard to try to land those commitments. They've had a lot of offensive linemen come in on official visits at a couple this past weekend with uh, T.J. Shanahan and Chase Santos. Uh, you know, they're trying to get a few other you know, guys. Like, they've gotten more guys on campus. They're trying to get you know, four or five offensive linemen in this class. And I think the other area would probably be um, in the secondary. You know, they signed some guys like Jarek Bernard Converse to sort of be a stopgap um, in the secondary at cornerback. They're going to need to sign some guys to replenish uh, what they can do at corner in particular. Um, and safety as well, because they, they signed some transfer safety um, who were seniors. And we've already seen that. I mean, Kerry Cooks has already got three, uh, I think, three true safeties. Um, if not three true safeties, then two true safeties and a defensive back um, in this class. Um, so yeah, two true safeties in, in 2023 and another one in 2024. So it's probably the secondary and the offensive line, which um, are probably the biggest needs to address. Those are also sort of maybe the biggest um, question marks on the team heading into uh, you know preseason, and it sort of lines up with what they want to do in recruiting. Where are the Tigers at in terms of, of health? You know, Kayshawn Butte and a couple other big names coming into 2022. Where are they at on the injury front? Kayshawn's, uh you know, seems to be 100%. Um, he's participating in off-season workouts. Uh, he doesn't have his boot, his walking boot on anymore, uh, which is a good sign. You know, that was the expectation going into the summer was that he'd be able to, to do that, and he's on track. Uh, the, you know, there's still maybe a, a few weeks to go. You know, you got to get into full-on football shape. He, he's been out of it for a little bit. He had to go in to go two surgeries, but 
he seems to be on track. Um, and other than that, there really does you know there hasn't been any sort of um, off the top of my head any major injury issues. Um, they were pretty healthy across the board this spring. The offensive linemen like um, Garrett Dellinger and Marlon Martinez are still, as far as we know, on track to, to participate after not being able to really do so in the spring as much. They were you know they were limited so. It looks like, uh, as of now, maybe knock on wood, because you never know what can happen, but as of now, they seem to be in good shape. Fantastic, fantastic. And lastly, you know, obviously this is a question that, that you get all the time, and it's probably going to be a thing that gets kept close to the vest, but what can you tell us about LSU's quarterback situation? Nothing new on that front. Uh, you know, we talked to Miles Brennan at the Manning and Passing Academy last Friday, uh, same sort of sentiments that he's expressed during the spring and ever since he came back, which was that he wants to compete for this job and, and he thinks he can win this job. He's got a, you know, he really expresses a lot of confidence when he talks about it. Um, you know, him and Garrett Nussmeyer and Jaden Daniels all through for the LC receivers, uh, during a closed, uh, session at the Manning Passing Academy. Um, by all accounts, they, they all equally look pretty good. Nussmeyer again, uh, looked really good when the ball comes out of his hands just differently than the other two. Um, it's just the, you know, the velocity he has behind the ball. But, you know, we'll, we'll see when we get to preseason camp. You know, it's sort of status quo coming out of the spring. Um, nothing has really changed in terms of those three are all going to have a shot to win the job when we get into fall practice. Wilson Alexander of The Advocate joining us for Tiger Talk. Wilson, appreciate you taking the time as always, my friend. And as media days and the football season get closer, we'll have you on you know, back to a weekly basis here soon. Looking forward to it. Thanks for having me. Welcome back. Crunch time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros, 50 minutes after 5 o'clock. All right, so we've talked at length today about the Colorado Avalanche winning the Stanley Cup last night. And if you didn't know, Coors Brewing Company is in the state of Colorado. So... Coors has announced a partnership with the Colorado Avalanche. It says, Colorado brought home the cup. We're filling yours with championship ice. Starting Thursday in select Denver locations, you can pick up bottles or cans of Coors Light with shavings of the championship ice in your beer. That's pretty cool. That would be like... You know, here in New Orleans, drinking a bottle of of Southern Comfort with shavings from Sun Life Stadium in Miami, like that's that is that's pretty cool. So good move by by Coors and the Colorado Avalanche for doing that. I'm sure that is going to be a hot commodity in Colorado this week. All right. We talked earlier about Kyrie possibly going to play with LeBron. Well, no more. According to multiple sources, Brooklyn Nets star Kyrie Irving has opted into his $37 million player option for the 2022-2023 season. Irving is bypassing on multiple sign-and-trade scenarios to fulfill his four-year commitment to the Nets and Kevin Durant. Okay, problem with that statement. I don't believe that Kyrie's commitment is to Kevin Durant. Maybe it is. Maybe, you know, behind the scenes, they're, they're lifelong bros. But I'm not feeling it. I'm not feeling the chemistry there in Brooklyn. But hey, Kyrie opted in. 
KD is stuck there until 2026. They're going to have to figure out a way to be one big happy family. It's hard to do a sign and trade when no one wants to do the trade part. Because nobody wants him. Precisely. Nobody wants... And, and, it's, and it's not talent-wise. Kyrie's a dog. Nobody wants the crap off the court. That's the issue. And you see, the fact that the Brooklyn took him up on it is the fact that how badly they want to go win a championship. They brought in Kyrie. You brought in Kevin Durant. You're paying them $40 million a year each. However, Kyrie, you saw it this season, Kyrie wasn't available for much of the season. And the best ability is availability. If you're not there to play for your team, then what good are you? Injuries is one thing. Straight up not playing is a whole nother. So that's going to be interesting now that Kyrie's opted in. Does he does he only staying for 2022-2023 when he becomes an unrestricted free agent next summer? Is, is he walking at that point? Because if so, that puts a lot of pressure on Steve Nash to bring a championship to Brooklyn right now. Do they have the pieces to do it? You've got Kyrie, you've got KD, but what else do you have? Blake Griffin? DeAndre Jordan? Like, you don't have a whole lot around these two superstars. And yes, having two superstars is fantastic. Two generational talents. And you have a great coach in Steve Nash, who is a Hall of Fame player and is is a good coach. What's Ben Simmons going to do for you? Is he going to be available this season? Seth Curry, he does okay. He, you know, he's got his moments. LaMarcus Aldridge, what are you looking at out of him? You know, there, there's a lot of question marks outside. Well, hell, I can't even say outside because there's question marks on KD and Kyrie also. This team is full of questions, and James, there's not a whole lot of answers. And and I, w- I, was, I was working on some behind the scenes, but did you even get to Ben Simmons? I, I asked, you, you know... Is he even going to be available? Yeah, okay. I mean... Because it seems like there's a new injury every time, and it's like, what are you? how are you injuring yourself? Doing laundry? Right. Like, you know, you, again, you've you got Kyrie. You've got Kevin Durant. That's fantastic. You've got Ben Simmons, who I still believe can have a career in the NBA. What about Joe Harris? It feels like he's falling off a cliff. 100%. Like it, it felt like he was that automatic shooter that was a really good compliment to having someone like Kyrie and KD. Goran Dragic, he fell off a cliff. He's a little bit older, but I mean, just it's just been a few short years ago that he was one of the top guards in the league. And now, now what? I've just noticed with this whole team, the only 
sort of defense that they have is Andre Drummond, and that's just him getting defensive rebounds. It's him getting defensive rebounds, but here's the other thing. Drummond's not getting any younger. The man's almost 30. Yeah, he, he turns 29 somewhat soon. He's 28 right now. I mean, you you got a lot of you got a lot of things you got to answer if you're the Brooklyn Nets and you want them to win a win a title right away before Kyrie inevitably walks next summer. Thank you to Rachel Toss, Stephen Willis, and Wilson Alexander for joining us today. James Mesh, appreciate everything you do. I'm Matt Mega saying, be safe, be well, give a hug to your mom and them. We will talk to you tomorrow on another edition of Crunch Time with me, guys, and Mesh on the game, 103.7 Lafayette, one zero four one Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. <laughs>